You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk. Back in your ear holes and back in Nova Scotia, I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. Again, I hope you all enjoyed our Vacation Week podcast. It was interesting, to say the least, to try and record all those episodes while airport announcements were blaring behind me. And I hope Stephen Brown did not scare all of you off. However, um, we will resume our regularly scheduled programming We are going to talk about some speculation ahead of the trade deadline. One transaction was already made for the Blue Jays today, and there are talks of another possibly coming very soon. So we'll talk about that in the second half, and we'll we'll open with the Blue Jays' sweep of the Orioles. But uh, first we have to mention the tragedy that happened last night in Toronto on the Danforth. It has just been a depressing day listening to what details can be gleaned out of the shooting and in a part of Toronto where I I lived close to the Danforth when I was there and it's a beautiful vibrant community and the fact that someone some subhuman would go in there and just turn it into a a shooting gallery I'm very thankful that it wasn't worse than it was. He only was armed with a handgun. If it had been an AK-47 or something like that, there could be double-digit casualties in such a tight spot. But still, this garbage person took the lives of two young women, one aged 18 and the other aged 10, which is an absolute tragedy to that. And... At this time, my heart goes out to the victims, to the loved ones of the victims who lost their lives there. And I, I said this on Twitter, but I hope outlets do the right thing and do not publicize who this demon was. Do not give a name. Do not give any kind of information. But most of all, just do not glamorize this horrible excuse for a breathing creature that would go there and and commit such an act and yeah that's that's all i have to say on that it's it's been a depressing day in that regard but as the midnight would say we move forward because that's all we can do so let's talk about the happy things that came before that tragedy and that was the Blue Jays finishing off a sweep of the Baltimore Orioles which again with the way the season has gone for the Blue Jays I think you have to take whatever victories you can get and by golly is Baltimore offering up victories left right and center they're, they're in a tight battle with Kansas City for worst team in Major League Baseball, and they just traded their superstar to Los Angeles while we were away. So, more Renato Nunez in everyone's lives. And, again, the Blue Jays got a sweep. They got 
good starting pitching performances, almost across the board. Jay Happ, Sam Gavilio do not get credits for quality starts, but Gavilio had the longest outing of his career, going seven and two-thirds innings against Baltimore. Jay Happ only pitched five innings. His pitch count got up very high, but that's because he racked up nine strikeouts. He was very effective for the time he was in there. It's, it's a shame he did not get credit for the victory in that regard, but still... It was a solid performance for a guy who may have made his last home start in Toronto. And then Marcus Stroman on Saturday, proving that, again, he is a Marcus Stroman of old and that he will absolutely dominate weak-hitting teams, teams that cannot get solid contact on the ball. Stroman pitched another strong seven innings, only gave up the one run, five hits, struck out seven, looked like dominant Marcus Stroman. That that Saturday game was the best game by any stretch of the imagination for Toronto. And that, again, Stroman was out there and dealing, and the Blue Jays gave him the run support that he needed, capitalizing on an error by Tim Beckham, who moved over to shortstop, and, and just not letting the Orioles off the hook with the way they were able to put together that that double by Randall Grichuk, who had himself another great series. Randall Grichuk. Uh, obviously, he had the home run on Sunday. He had the, the double on Saturday to, to pick up the RBIs there. Like, he had a home run on Friday. He was, he was doing a lot of damage against Baltimore. It was him and Alemis Diaz. Again, it's the two X cards. They seem to be in sync and and going off. Alemis Diaz um he he, he was hitting six for seven in the first two games. Oh, came back to Earth a little bit with the 0 for three on Sunday, but Alemis Diaz looked really good. Lourdes Guriel coming back from a concussion went two for three in a Sunday game. Jan Harvest Solarte broke out of his his slump with a big Sunday game. There are a lot of positive things to take away from that series for the Blue Jays, but the main thing to take away from that is it's not a tonic. It's not a panacea. This is a Baltimore team that, again, just traded Manny Machado for pieces that are not near ready to be at the major league level. They're starting, again, Renato Nunez, who's a former Oakland cast-off. Danny Valencia, who Toronto said goodbye to him five years ago. They're starting aging veterans in Adam Jones and Mark Trumbo and Chris Davis, who are not anywhere near as effective as they once were. And as, as per usual, the Baltimore starting pitching was bad. Dylan Bundy had a bad start. Alex Cobb was better than usual, but Toronto made Andrew Kashner look good in his outing. They helped his trade value up a little bit. And the fact remains that two of these three wins needed late-game heroics from the Blue Jays. They were down 4-1 in that Sunday game before Grichuk and Solarte went yard. And then on Friday, they had a 7-2 lead that 
Gavilio started to cough up in the eighth inning. Again, he'd never gone that far in a game, so I'll forgive him for that. But then Tyler Clippard working that ninth inning and and just unable to do anything. He got he got a double, a wild pitch, a home run by Caleb Joseph, which I I don't I don't know. And then Jonathan Scope taking him yard. Like Clipper did everything he could to throw that game away, which is not what the Blue Jays want to see for a guy they're hoping to get some trade value for this season. In a in a buyer's market when it comes to the bullpen, they need their arms to stand out, and Tyler Clipper did not do that on Friday. He bounced back with a good performance in that ninth inning on Sunday. He only got the opportunity because Ryan Tapera pitched two days in a row. But, again, the bullpen almost lost that game for the Blue Jays. John Axford come out, had a bad inning, damaged his trade value. And, again, if you're if you're any kind of a good team, which I don't know if there are any Blue Jays fans who still think it can be a good team. I, I jokingly saw some people on Twitter like, yes, they can sweep Minnesota and Chicago and be back to 500, and it'll it'll be a magical run all over again. But a good team does not let Baltimore hang around like they did in this series. A good team takes full advantage of facing poor starting pitching, facing defense that is subpar, and, and doesn't leave any opportunity for them to come back. It's like how Boston treats Toronto a lot of the time this season. It's like how New York treats Toronto most of the time this season. It it's a sweep, but it's the it's one of the worst sweeps possible, I think. And if if you're going forward, it it just cements I, I don't want to say it cements some of the problems that the Blue Jays have had, but it, it's indicative of what they haven't been able to do, and a good good team would not have let the Blue Jays just just get off the hook like that. So yes, it was a good performance by the Blue Jays to sweep the Orioles, and it was mostly due to the pitching, but there were still some arms that didn't really pull their weight, and you look for a little more on the offense. Again, the the offense was carried by Grichuk and Diaz, who were normally hitting in the bottom of the order, and it didn't really get going until... Sunday when Salarte had that last gasp home run to put the Blue Jays up. And that, that's just, again, it's it's showing the problem this team has had all year. It can't get consistent production from its lineup when it needs it. So, for for anyone who thinks this is going to be the magical run back to the playoffs, it, it's not happening. I don't think anyone is, but just just to put the foot down there... The Blue Jays should be looking to sell off, and they are looking to sell off, which we will talk about right after this. Okay, so the main rumor for the Blue Jays that came out earlier today was Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic announcing that the Blue Jays had been talking to Philadelphia about sending Curtis Granderson to the National League East again, and... Again, this is when we expect the dominoes to start falling after this trade deadline, and Granderson was a 
top tier candidate to be traded with his one year deal and is still being productive as a left handed bat. And Rosenfall confirmed that the Phillies were looking at him. Philadelphia demoted one of their outfielders last night, one of their younger ones, Aaron Altair, who was a fantasy stud last year. He's looking very popular, but the Phillies do need uh, another bat to come off the bench, and Granderson would be a perfect fit. Now, the Blue Jays aren't likely to get anything more than lottery ticket prospects from Philadelphia, but again, the, it's it's a season where you're just trying to recoup any kind of value that you can. So even getting one of those lottery ticket prospects can still help the Blue Jays down the road. And I, I again, I'm not expecting a top 30 prospect, but because the Phillies have been bad, they do have some options to to give up and. And I'm I'm just taking a cursory look through it right now. Like the Phillies do have a plethora of young arms to go after. I I know the Blue Jays have been taking some hits with their pitching lately, so they could probably look for maybe an older arm who slots in at a higher level. And I look at a guy like Cole Irvin, who was Philadelphia's number twenty-two prospect. In their top 30. He's got a 269 ERA at AAA this year. Doesn't grade out with like plus pitches, but he has good control, which the Blue Jays have had great success with guys who have that control. And Irvin would give the Blue Jays another option at AAA alongside Thomas Pannone and, and potentially even develop as a later option or if they want to look at maybe restocking with a reliever um they could take a chance on a guy like jd hammer who's their 24th rated prospect he's got a plus plus fastball but he's wild so so he he is a lot more of a gamble than a guy like irvin who's showing he can produce at an upper level but that's all the blue jays are trying to do is trying to get one of those guys who can potentially be a contributor. And I do trust the front office to be able to do that. This is a front office that last year turned Joe Smith into Thomas Pannone and Samad Taylor at a lower level. So I think because they've been scouting the Phillies system for a little bit, the Blue Jays will be able to make the right choice. And I do expect them to go for arms at this point because they are losing arms at the upper levels. And we we wish Chris Rowley the best of luck. The former Army man was moved off a 40-man roster by the Blue Jays earlier today and was instantly snapped up by Texas. The second time this year Texas has claimed a triple-A starter off of the Blue Jays, Deck McGuire being the first. McGuire eventually moved on to the Angels. But yeah, it, it was a weird move. There did not seem to be a corresponding move from the Blue Jays at the time of recording. So I'm not entirely sure what the end game was in getting Rowley off the board there, unless it was to try and promote one of these other arms that maybe the Blue Jays are more interested in looking at. It Rowley was given a chance to prove that he would be part of the future 
in Toronto and in a minimal time at MLB level. Um, Ryan Mueller and I argued about Chris Rowley versus Thomas Pannone. Rowley at, at the major league level, he has a 791 ERA and two appearance in two thirds of an inning. He gave up four runs, three of them earned, gave up a home run. He did not look effective as a major league contributor. So if Texas wants to give him a shot, potentially as a, as a long man or, or something like that, I wish Chris Rowley the best of luck. I, I dug his story. I, I thought he'd been chipping away, chipping away. He's going to go to Round Rock and pitch at AAA there. But, you know, if Deck was able to get out, maybe Chris Rowley can get up there and, and again, show he can contribute more at a major league level. But for now, that does leave the Blue Jays very thin in Buffalo. Their, their rotation... It still features Nick Tepish, who uh, he he is regret. Can can anyone imagine Nick Tepish pitching at major league level again? I not the way he's pitched today. I'm I'm sorry. So right now that that kind of leaves them with Thomas Pannone, Sean Reed Foley, Murphy Smith, uh, Tepish, and then Stewart or Compton, who haven't really been stretched out. They were starters earlier this season, but they were used as relievers primarily. And again, the Blue Jays are left in a position where they don't have the depth to really cover the things they need. Today in the opener against Minnesota, they're starting Luis Santos in what has been termed a bullpen day. Like Jaime Garcia is back there. He's not even getting the chance to to pick up an extra start. That's going to be Santos. So, once again, the Blue Jays' rotation options are incredibly thin because those prospects aren't ready yet. The Sean Reed Foley's, those Jordan Romano's aren't ready for primetime yet. And and it's another instance where the Blue Jays do not have the depth to really do it. Now, when Estrada comes back, temporarily it'll be fixed. But again, this is a team looking to trade Happ and looking to trade Estrada. And now you have to wonder what they're going to do. If they can get a starter back for J Hap, we we've talked about the Yankees. If they can get a Dylan Tate or a Chance Adams, they might immediately be plugged into that MLB rotation. And we saw this approach last year, trot out the likes of Lucas Harrell and Matt Latos and Cesar Valdez. And it was it just wasn't fun to watch them. So yeah, having a younger name in there might help, but it's just a sign of a another problem popping up for the Blue Jays. And again, we're going to miss Chris Rowley here. He, he was a favorite. But he will also serve as our closer at the end of this return edition of the Monday Musings of Locked On Blue Jays. Back from vacation. We'll be back every day this week, as far as I know. Uh, Follow the podcast at Locked On Jays. Subscribe to it on iTunes and Google Play. Wherever you get your podcasts, you should be able to find this one. Follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. I'm starting to get to the point where I can conceivably think about hoping for a thousand followers, which would be amazing. I think this time two years ago, I was at a third of that. 
So thank you all for your support and, and following me and, and supporting me and keep pushing it out. Keep pushing it to your friends. Say, Hey, this crazy Nova Scotian's got some good ideas on the blue Jays. You should listen to them. So any support is greatly appreciated. And I have to thank y'all for, for all the kind words you've given me. You're why I do this. So for everyone here at Locked On Blue Jays, this is Ryan Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and y'all take care. <laughs>